electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money starts right now with some pretty ominous music. There's a lot to be worried about right now between the Department of Justice jumping into one of this year's biggest deals, a yield curve, the flattest since the financial crisis and global political disarray from the Middle East to Germany to North Korea. There are plenty of reasons to sell. But hold on. Stop. None of that even matters. Change the music, please. Everything is awesome. Stocks are at all-time high, shrugging off any headwinds. The Dow surging nearly 200 points at the highs of the day. And it's not just the Dow. The S&P crossing 2,600 for the first time ever. Joining the Nasdaq and the Russell, all making fresh record highs today. Even safety trades like gold and bonds were up. So with no end to the rally in sight and the end of the year just a few weeks away, do you just keep buying, guys? Yes, and I don't think we've wavered a lot on this one. We've said for quite some time that and there are a lot of reasons to be bearish. You mentioned three. There are probably another 30 we can mention. It doesn't matter because seasonality now is here in your favor. I mean, we're Thanksgiving is two days away. We're going to be into the holiday season, as you say, and people are going to play catch-up. The Russell made an all-time high. To me, that's been the best indicator. We can argue whether tax reform is going to get done, not get done, but the IWM is telling you, in my opinion, something's going to get done. And I've said it a thousand times. The market doesn't give you a long time to sell the highs. We've been here now seemingly for months. In my world, it means we continue to grind higher despite all the other noise out there. Yeah, the seasonality is key, but also the bond market is key, too, right? I mean, we talk about the flattening yield curve. Tony Dwyer will tell you that it doesn't matter, but here's why it doesn't matter, because where else are you going to go if you're going to invest dollars? If you're a mutual fund and you're getting money in and you're getting this passive management coming in, what else are you going to do? You're going to go into the stock market. So none of this seems to matter. I, you know, listen, I can certainly create the bearish case. I can always create a bearish case, but it doesn't matter in this market, and I agree with Guy that going into year end, it's going to be very difficult to have a sell-off because none of the no investors are positioned to sell anything off. They're not that nervous. They've already they've already racked up their gains for the year. If anything, you might get a profit-taking sell-off, but it wouldn't be anything significant. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the money we've seen coming in on our desk is com- coming from overseas. A lot of the international money buying U.S. equities. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We didn't necessarily see a pullback. We saw basically a flat market for almost 30 trading days. That really facilitated this sort of move that we're seeing right now. So it's consolidation. Consolidation, but not a pullback. And I think there was a lot of people waiting for that dip, didn't get that chance. And now what we're seeing to the end of the year, I think, is a lot of money flying in. So we've seen on the desk a lot of international money buying U.S. equities. Those fund flows continue to come in. I just don't see a pullback. Plus, you get a perfect storm for the bulls this week. You're you're pretty much done with earnings. You don't have that any hiccups there that you have to worry about, any major road hurdles. You have D.C. basically on break until next week, so they can't screw it up. You're not going to hear that much dialogue about tax reform or tax reform efforts failing. And, and basically, the market wants to grind higher. So you have a flattening yield curve. What does the flattening yield curve love? Growth stocks. What's growth stocks? Large cap tech. That keeps the market going higher, at least for the foreseeable couple of weeks. The eight biggest companies added $1.4 trillion in market cap in 2017. So if you're saying buy everything, 
You were saying keep buying these stocks, which have already gone up by a lot. No, Does that worry you? And it seems right about tech, I agree. But we've talked, you know, industrials we've talked about. They're not that interesting. But if you look at defense stocks, if you look at names like Roper, and even grudgingly I would give you Caterpillar, which in my opinion has sort of defied logic in terms of valuation and what the market sees. I mean, they're going to still work going into year end, whether you like the landscape or not, I mean, that's just what seems to be happening right now. You could stay away from uh, energy. You could stay away from retail. Even though retail, I've said this, I've been burned by it verbally, there should be a reason to buy retail. That We have a lot of the negativity has to be priced in. These things have been decimated. Going forward, you have the comps are going to get easier. This is their peak selling season. And every time you say it before I'm done, they leg down another two to five percent. The comps are getting easier, but the competition is getting much harder. I think you've been burned by the same thing that I've been burned on in certain names is the positioning and the setups. The short interest in, in maybe just beating expectations and seeing a massive rally because it's covering. So those aren't investable, in my opinion. They're tradable sectors. So I look at tech and say, where's money going to flow in tech? It's going to continue to flow into these mega cap names that are working. It's going to continue to flow into security software, which is in demand. And, and a lot of these, some of these software plays in semis. I listen to you guys, and what comes to mind is that value investing is completely out. Mm-hmm. Throw that well, out yeah. the window at least to the end of the year. I mean, if you're right. not going to buy retail, you're not going to buy energy, you're not going to buy the beaten down names because they just haven't been working and we've got you're seasonality. Not gonna, we're not, not. going right. right exactly now, the only thing you, could, you might want to do is the dogs of the doubt theory right you might get some tax loss selling here in the end of the year and if you want a strategy going into january i would take a look at maybe and maybe it is the retailers you might have to put up a little bit of pain but that dogs of the doubt strategy might work going into january i mean the only thing that concerns me is we're all so bullish so for bk it's like it's right. very right. difficult right. to say we made a point about 200 points 200 handles ago on the S&P. so right. i think you know, a lot of the things that I've held on to for outsized gains, I've had to hold my nose and not sell it and just say, do the opposite. Right. It's like Seinfeld, the opposite day. Do the opposite. Sorry, Andrew. We've got some breaking news on a cyber attack at Uber. Let's get to Deirdre Bosa in San Francisco for the details. Deirdre. Hi, Melissa. Bloomberg reporting that Uber concealed a cyber attack that exposed 57 million people's data. The report also says that the company paid hackers $100,000 to delete info and keep it under wraps. Um, Also saying that the ride-hailing company's chief security officer, Joe Sullivan, and one of his deputies has been fired for their roles in keeping the hack under wraps. Says that the compromised data comes from October of 2016. It included names, email addresses and phone numbers of 50 million Uber riders around the world. Uh, We have reached out to Uber and we'll update you as soon as we hear back. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa in San Francisco. The first question that came to mind is, how do they know those hackers deleted that information? Well, right. right. And and only 100 grand? I got to think that info is worth a lot more than that. They're either... Either the guys are complicit or they're the dumbest hackers in the world. I mean, 100 see, grand. I mean, see what happens to the valuation of, of Lyft now and Uber. I mean, there's been that struggle. But this is under past management, new management team at right. Uber. I look at it and say, you know, will they get a pass for that? They probably do from the investment community, especially the private investment community. Uber's an amazing story. It's going to continue to work. Uh, again, this is a black eye. I don't think it crushes valuation. All right, let's get back to the markets here. Our next guest says there are three names at all-time highs 
you need to buy right now. Let's go off the charts with Rich Ross of Evercore ISI. Hi, Rich. Hey, Melissa. Thank you. Look, it's a trend followers paradise out there, and I'm serving up the classics for the holidays. It starts with the big bird right here. This is Apple, okay? There's a lot to like about Apple, a lot of which is that symmetry with the past, okay? So you saw this big multi-year base of support after a 40% decline back in 2012. And once again, history repeats itself currently. And of course, we get this big multi-year base breakout, boom, right into that textbook continuation pattern. So Apple has got to be the first name on your shopping list to buy at an all-time high. Of course, can't stop the holidays without Amazon. We've talked about this stock before. What we love is that failed head and shoulders. Of course, that's the head and shoulders that rounds into form. But importantly, you test and hold the neckline and that 150-day, and the move coming out is just as strong. Boom, right into another one of those textbook bullish flags. That's a continuation pattern. I think Amazon goes to 1250, 1300. And we put a little modern twist on it to fin finish things up here. Alibaba here. Look at this base of support. You've already drawn it for me. Thank you very much. Beautiful base breakout, impulsive move, and once again, bull flag continuation pattern. Another thing you like about Alibaba, hasn't been trading all that long, so we don't exactly know where the resistance is. One thing we do know, quote unquote, it's higher. Buy the stock here on strength. You're set up for another surge into year end in these big three tech behemoths, if you will. Come on over, Rich. You didn't even ask us. I, why should I ask? Just not even a question. He's that good. He's that in the Pantheon. Good. Unbelievable. <laughs> Is the <laughs> that too. Um, Rich, so we were discussing before about how there are certain sectors that investors might be tempted to get in because they're scared about stocks being at all-time highs. You might want to go to retail. You might want to go to energy. How do they look to you? I would say no. Fight that temptation around okay. the holiday time, okay? You should buy what's working here, okay? This is the season to be a buyer of tech. Tech is leading, okay? And, and we heard about it before. As the calendar turns, I think people take a little bit of a different mindset. You might look to buy some of those laggards, maybe trim some of those winners. But for the time being, go with what brought you to the dance. And by and large, that's large cap tech, that's growth, that's industrials, that's select healthcare. So a lot to choose from. So, Rich, Alibaba is up 170% year-to-date. Amazon's up 52%. Apple's up 50% year-to-date. S&P up 16% year-to-date. Your premise of buying those stocks, do they work if the S&P takes another dip lower? I, I know my answer. What's your answer? Look, these stocks, you hate to use the word bulletproof, Teflon, if you will, with these stocks. But these stocks have displayed the best relative strength all year long. So I don't see any reason why that dynamic would change. And by that matter, I think the S&P continues to move higher. Breath is expanding here. Emerging markets are breaking out from structural bases of support. The sentiment remains far from euphoric. And the macro unrest that we talked about last week in terms of currencies, commodities, credit spreads and rates is sort of eased. So the backdrop is very benign for equities to continue to move higher. You know, what also has been working is the Chinese version of Fang, Stab, Sina, Tencent, Alibaba, as well as Baidu. If you had to choose Stab or Fang, what would you choose? I I interesting. It's like asking me which uh, my daughter's is my favorite kid. You know, I love them all equally. And in this case, oh. China, uniquely strong, of course. And the world is clearly waking up to this fact. I mean, we're talking about stocks that have $500 billion market caps overseas. It's not just the Internet names in China. Keep in mind, Hang Seng at a new high of 2% overnight, testing 30,000. Korea breaking out from a seven-year base. Taiwan at a 25-year high. Japan, 25-year high. So it's not just Chinese Internet. It's much like our markets. They get the attention, but there's a lot underneath the surface to be bullish about. So so we're all bullish here. Scares the heck out of BK. So as we enter the holiday season, how do we know when investors are done gobbling up these stocks? 
Mm. See what I did with that? I think so. Yeah. They're getting overstuffed. No, but, <laughs> no, but what do I look for? What are the exhaustion signs? Right? Well, if I buy understand. in today, what do I look for to say, you know what, time to take some profits? Well, look, we haven't had one of those days where you get sort of that intraday reversal where you push out to a new high and you close unchanged or you close on the lows. That might typically give bulls a reason to tap the brakes, but you're not seeing any of that really. So if we saw breath go in the opposite direction, start to erode, if we saw some short-term exhaustion, maybe sentiment gets even more euphoric, those are kind of your classic trimming if you will, trappings of success or exhaustion. None of those are present today. He's the master. I mean, he is the master at that. It's fantastic. Rich, thank you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Gobble, gobble. gobble. No, not uh, gobble, gobble. Yeah. We might as well start now. Love Rich Ross. What, what did you do today? Well, Nordstrom, you know, we talked about retailers, right? We talked about Nordstrom's in earnings. They reported November 10th. We said, you know, risk-reward sets up really well against $36.50. Now I think you have a bit of a double bottom. Stock closed unchanged today, but Nordstrom's on valuation with the short interest for the potential of another headline that could potentially be bullish. I think Nordstrom still works here. JWN. Uh, look, I mean, just to support Rich's thesis, I think Baba is the best opportunity of all those things. You, know, you guys know how I feel about Amazon. Apple, I think, is a tradable stock on this upgrade cycle. But Bob is a name I'm staying long, buying more of. I think it continues to work. It's a, it's a massive opportunity. What is your answer? What happens to tech if the S&P 500 pulls back? Oh, you think it back. goes higher? No. Oh, it pulls back with yeah, it? Yeah, I think it, I, I, it's very hard if we say that the reason for the gains are these handful of names for them. To, but we have seen where they do have moved sideways. So even with a down market, I think you can own these names. Don't expect them to have the explosive performance that they've had if the market turns south. All right, coming up, the DOJ filing a lawsuit to block the Time Warner AT&T deal. So if the deal is off the table, what's Time Warner really worth? We'll break that down. Plus, next stop, $400. A top analyst at Morgan Stanley says that's where Tesla stock is heading. One trader says no way. He'll explain what he thinks that firm's getting wrong. And later, this stock is on fire. It's up nearly 250% in 2017 alone and investors can't get enough of it. We will tell you the name and why it's got Wall Street going crazy. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our move of the day. Check out the ITB home construction ETF surging today, having a great year up more than 50 percent. Housing's been a hot trade. Look at the gains in some of the biggest home builders. DR Horton, Pulte Group, Toll Brothers, Lennar, all those stocks surging. So are these gains built to last? Grasso's in this trade. So I, I would stuff. say yes. So <laughs> I, I was in, I was in uh, both KB Homes and Pulte Homes. I had a brief stay in Lennar Homes. Lennar Homes has been the laggard in the space. KB Homes is up 83% as your chart showed. I, I uh, shaved that one off. I'm still long Pulte, which is up 78% year to date. Everyone talks about the home recovery happening. Well, let me tell you, it's not over yet. I would say we're probably in the fourth inning, if that. There's a lot more legs, a lot more room to the upside in all of these trades. There's no supply on the market. There's a lot more room for all these trades to run. I'm still long Pulte. How about the re- on the retail side? We had Lowe's earnings out this morning. Gross margins were a little yeah. bit light. Yeah, I mean, it's Home Depot that you want to go to. Home Depot is a name to own in, the, in that sector, um, 100%. I look at Steve's call. I agree with him 100%. We're at the, we're at the beginning stages of, an, of, a, of a recovery within the housing market, and these names will continue to work. So Home Depot, I'd be a buyer of, and these home builders. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on the Home Depot. We've been pretty unanimous in our in our love of Home Depot. I think Pete pitched it recently, but you know, you look at Home Depot trades at 21 times forward earnings. People played lows because lows is at 16 times. They figure it'll catch up on valuation. But as today's lows report shows, I just think Home Depot's a better company right now, better balance sheet. 
This summer, we talked about it being uh, potentially Amazon by Amazon. That proved to be incorrect. All-time high today, and I think that's a stock that continues to grind higher. All right, let's hit uh, Under Armour under pressure. Shares falling today as a sports retailer announcing its footwear chief is leaving on the heels of slowing sneaker and apparel sales. Heels. Yeah. Uh, this comes as shares have already fallen about 35% this year. So is there even more pain ahead for Under Armour? BK. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think there is, right? I mean, this is a company in transition. I don't think in the long run you want to bet against Kevin Plank. The guy's probably one of the greatest CEOs of all time. But in this particular case, they haven't figured it out yet, right? So you're talking about a turnaround story. They haven't figured out what their next product is, what's going on. Now you have people leaving the company. Until that comes out, I think you want to stay away from Under Armour. You probably want to go with, you know, what Seberg's been talking about, Adidas. The kids want the Yeezys these days. How are you gauging, though, greatest, one of the greatest CEOs? I was going to say, huh? I mean... How are you gauging... From, from starting metrics? this... I should say he's probably the greatest founder, right? So starting this company, building it up to it was, he'd certainly a misstep <clears throat> missing what's happened over the last year. But I, I think yeah, as I a agree. manager and as a founder, he's done a phenomenal job. I think he nailed it. I think he's a celebrity-type CEO, and it kind of brings to light some of the other celebrity-type CEOs and other businesses that we might want to take a closer look at. But I do agree. I think he built this company from scratch, did a good job building it, managing it. Different story. This is a name I'd stay away from. I'd continue to sell the stock. I think it's going a lot lower. Prefer a I think at a certain He was point. celebrity, but not, yeah. not anymore. That brand has lost a lot. I think you have to separate the founder. Right. When, when you see a stock... You know, uh, just have the abysmal performance that you've seen now. You have to start wearing some of that lack of performance on your sleeve, the same way that we give guys credit. Management. Right. For what being, happens? For being, so, no, I, from my mm-hmm. my opinion, he's the type of guy that's going to take this as a challenge and turn it around. So, so he's the so guy that gotta, I want here. But at eleven bucks or whatever the stock is at no. this at this present time, you, there's not much room. You, uh, this is a very very expensive option. Need but a this is this is a, this yeah. is a name well, that you, you should be buying. Well, you need a management team, right? So yeah, let me they, let they me see what he's going to do. There's plenty of time. I can wait and see what his management team's going to be. Their projections are dead wrong. Way over. This multiple is more expensive than Nike. Trades are close to 60 times forward earnings, despite the fact that the stock has gone, I think, either side of $100 to where it is now. Valuation is still expensive. Their head of footwear just left the company. The headwinds are significant. What happened to this company? Their products became... What will happen to this company? Well, what happened was their products became ubiquitous. What will happen? I think at some point they sell out to a rival for some... Take under, perhaps, from prices I'll that tell we you, still have. I'll tell you, seen. the only thing bullish that I could come up with with Under Armour is if you get tax reform, their effective tax rate is slightly below 40%. Because they're mostly so, domestic. Exactly. So point. now, if you see tax reform get cut from 35%, basically down to 20%, if it gets done, it'll I'm, help I'm, them, but it doesn't help. I mean, Oh, let me they tell you, when you start that, modeling, when you start modeling tax a rate. different tax rate, you're going to see a, a substantial pop in this stock from $11. That's just based on tax policy, if, big if, if it gets done. Still ahead, Meg Whitman is out as the CEO of Hewlett Packard. She is speaking on the company's earnings call right now. We will hear what she has to say later this hour. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Don't be such a square. It's hip to be square. Actually, be a square, because square shares are going nuts. And there's something to suggest it's going even higher. We'll tell you what that is. Plus, it's the question on every investor's mind. To be or not to be, that is the question. No, if you had to choose between Bitcoin or stocks for the next five years, which should you choose? 
We've got the surprising answer when Fast Money returns. I'm not going to get involved in litigation, but uh, personally, I've always felt that that was a deal that's not good for the country. I think your pricing is going to go up. I don't think it's a good deal for the country, but I'm not going to get involved. It's litigation. <laughs> that was President Trump earlier today with some harsh comments about the AT&T Time Warner deal following a question from our own Eamon Javers. Now, this isn't the first time he has talked down the proposed merger on the campaign trail last year. He threatened to block the deal. Still, up until recently, it appeared many on Wall Street were still betting it would go through, and that's causing a lot of pain. Leslie Pickers in the newsroom with more on this. Hi, Leslie. Hey, Melissa. It was, as you mentioned, among the most popular trades on Wall Street, betting on whether AT&T would successfully close its acquisition of Time Warner. And over the last month, that trade has put a dent in a lot of returns, with shares of Time Warner slumping through yesterday over rumors that the Justice Department would seek to quash the deal. Now, Time Warner stock is now trading about 13 percent below the value of the deal. That's a spread indicative of the increased skepticism that the transaction will ultimately close. The shares closed a mere 5 percent higher than the price 21st Century Fox offered to pay three years ago. Time Warner rejected the $85 a share bid at the time. And the question among many traders now is what happens to the price if this current deal does break? And the uncertainty surrounding AT&T Time Warner has thrown the fate of other deals in question. Buyer's $56 billion takeover of Monsanto, as well as United Technologies' $30 billion acquisition of Rockwell Collins, or at least in part vertical mergers. That's the same type of deal that's being questioned in the case of AT&T and Time Warner, with two companies on the supply chain rather than competitors. That's horizontal mergers. Now, investors are concerned that those two other deals could be in jeopardy as well. Today, though, brought a bit of optimism. Time Warner reversed earlier losses, gaining about 2 percent on the news that Judge Richard Leon had been assigned to the DOJ versus AT&T case. He is the same judge who signed off on Comcast purchase of NBCU in 2011, Melissa. All right. Thank you, Leslie Picker, back in the newsroom. So with the AT&T Time Warner deal tied up for now, we thought this was the perfect time to play. The price is right. One of our traders will come down to the board and tell us where they think Time Warner should really be trading when they're done. The other traders will vote on whether or not they think the price is right. So let's get to it. Announcer, who is the next contestant? Oh, of course. Get me. Super excited, dude. All right. All right, you ready for it, Steve? I'm ready. All right. You have a pen for me? So where to... should Time Warner be trading? So if you think about Time Warner, you have to think, first of all, this is a back-of-the-envelope sort of math suggestion on the enterprise value of the different parts of the company. So what do you have here? You've got HBO. HBO has roughly an enterprise value of $30 billion. Can we write here? $30 billion. You can. $30 you billion, can right? <laughs> you look at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has roughly a 20-ish billion dollar valuation. And you look at the Turner. The Turner assets are worth somewhere, let's call it around $33 billion, Right. So you look at those numbers, you say, all right, those are the little valuations of each of those independent businesses. How much cash do they have? They have roughly $2.6 billion in cash. You take out their debt, which is roughly $22 billion, and you're left with somewhere in the neighborhood of $64-ish billion. And I know Grasso's doing the math right there in his head, and he's so totally, totally right. So $64 billion, roughly. 778 roughly million shares outstanding. That gets you to a value of roughly 82 bucks a share. So low 80s a share. Pull up the chart here real quick. Is roughly, if you break it out, 
kind of a six-ish or six-and-a-half-ish downside uh, from the current levels. Now, again, that is suggesting that the deal does get broken up. Uh, again, there's a lot of moving parts here. Putting a sum of the parts valuation on the actual businesses, you come up with roughly 82 bucks a share, and that should be around fair value. All right. So, traders, Seaberg here says Time Warner should be trading around 82 bucks a share. Time to vote. Higher, lower, or is Seaberg's price right? Uh, Guy Dami, kick it off with I'm, you. I'm writing, but I'm going to write quickly. Uh, I say higher, Monty, and I say higher because although his math is spot on, the market is a discounting mechanism. And I think there are intrinsic values that we're not discussing. So I think 81 is a trough valuation. I think this is closer to a $90 item, as we discussed last evening. All right. Well, remember, the price of David Seberg outline is $82, but 90 is still higher. 81, 82, whatever it takes. (laughs) BK. Uh, So the price is right, Bob. That's what I would say. I think Seaberg's right on this one. You know, if this deal gets broken up, I think you're going to have a problem getting much higher valuation because who else is out there that's going to actually buy these assets and and get it through? So, you know, to me, I think the price is right, Bob. Grasso? I think he's uh, low. And the reason why I look at that is everything he said fundamentally you you can't argue with. He's got all the valuations, but to Guy's point, it is a discounting mechanism. You have to look at the old price, $85, the new price, which was basically 108 Somewhere in the middle of that is where you wind up. And if you look at it on a technical level where the stock has bounced to and, and uh, troughed it at, you come up with basically a $95 price target. So I'm going to say he's low. So the split decision there is exactly why this trade has been very painful on the street in terms of the deal. Yeah, No question. All right. You've been a great contestant, David Seberg. Thank you. That does it for The Price is Right. Don't forget to get your pets spayed and neutered. (laughs) Still ahead. Meg Whitman stepping down as Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Just moments ago, she's speaking on the company's conference call right now. We'll bring you her comments. Plus, one tech stock has nearly quadrupled its share price since its IPO two years ago. We'll give you a hint. It just jumped on the Bitcoin bandwagon. Much more fast money right after this. We have got a news alert on HP CEO Meg Whitman. She just announced her departure from the company. She's speaking on the company's conference call right now. Let's get to Morgan Brennan for the details. Morgan. Hey, Melissa, that's right. So Meg Whitman will retire as CEO of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And on February 1st, Antonio Neri, HPE's president, is going to succeed her. Now, Whitman, who will remain on the board, discussed the transition on the earnings call just a short while ago. It has been the privilege of a lifetime to lead the company founded by Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. I'm proud of what we've accomplished during the past six years. We've laid out a strong foundation for a prosperous future, and now is the right time for Antonio and a new generation of leaders to take the reins. I look forward to experiencing HPE's progress as a board member, and I'm very confident that Antonio will enjoy tremendous success. Now, Whitman also noting that for many years, she has said the next leader should come from within the company. Nary is a 22-year veteran. He's a computer engineer by training who started at HP before the company the company was split into two. So on her legacy, Whitman pointing out HP has delivered a total shareholder return of 89% since November 2015, when the provider of IT services to businesses became a standalone company, adding that her successor will have the same focus on delivering value and that HP is in, quote, strong competitive position to do so. Now, in terms of earnings, HP reporting better than expected earnings, revenue in line with analyst consensus, but the guidance for the current quarter was weaker than expectations. Uh, and you can see those shares of Hewlett Packard Enterprise uh, down five and a half, nearly six percent in after hours trading. I'd also just note, Melissa, 
Whitman will be on CNBC's Squawk on the Street for an exclusive interview with David Faber tomorrow morning. Back over to you. All right, Morgan. Thank you, Morgan Brennan. Um, so this move in the after-hour session, is this entirely earnings or is partly Meg Whitman, Guy? I think Meg hopes it's part. She would never say this, obviously, but I, I think in the, the recess of her mind, she's actually happy that the stock is lower when she's stepping down. I mean, that's only human, right? Yeah. But would, be, would, it, would it be lousy if the stock was feeling. up yeah, 7%? I terrible. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with her stepping down. But the stock has not been all, you know, gangbusters over the last six months either. Now you're getting to levels where it's bottomed out before. Valuation seems reasonable. So maybe you can take a look at this stock uh, tomorrow in, in the aftermath of today's earnings release. But there's not a lot of great things going on here. This has to be the, the three-day rule in a stock that has given up its whole year-to-date performance. So to Guy's point, you can look at it from that $12.90 to $13. That's been support. You can go back on the charts. And obviously, big brown fat numbers, $13 was the recent low. You want to take a shot, give it a couple of days to breathe, but not a, not a terrible spot to get in. But to Guy's point, it could be lights out for the stock in general. All right. We've got some more breaking news on that story that Uber paid $100,000 to cover up a major cyber attack. Let's get to Deidre Bosa for the details. Deidre. Hey, Melissa. Well, CNBC can now confirm that Uber concealed a cyber attack that exposed 57 million people's data. A source familiar with the matter tells me that the hackers, two hackers that stole the data, were paid $100,000 to delete the info and keep it quiet. Now, I asked what would make anyone think that they would actually do that, delete the data. And my source tells me that Uber did a forensic audit and there was nothing to lead them to believe that anything was ever used. Now, in a blog post just published, Uber's new CEO, Dara Khosrow Shahi writes, quote, I recently learned that in late 2016, we became aware that two individuals outside the company had inappropriately accessed user data stored on a third party cloud based service that we use. The incident did not breach our corporate systems or infrastructure. Now, Melissa, I'm also told, and this is also in Dara's post, that the names and drivers license numbers of around 600,000 Uber drivers in the United States were stolen. The rest of the data compromised, I'm told, was mostly names and email addresses. So that would be mostly Uber customers around the world. Now, in response, Uber earlier this week fired its chief security officer, Joe Sullivan, and one of his deputies for their roles in keeping the hack under wraps. Before joining Uber, Sullivan was actually the top security guy over at Facebook. The big deal here, though, guys, is that people and regular, regulatory authorities, they were not notified of this breach. And while the company says uh, that they have reason to believe nothing was ever used or sold by the hackers, only by the hackers, excuse me, we'll have to see if that's actually the case over time. Guys, of course, Dara Khosrow Shahi, the new CEO, has only been in the job for a few months. He has another crisis on his hands while he needs to step in, shore up the business and worry about that soft bank investment. Melissa. Yep. Uh, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa in San Francisco. So it appears to be phone numbers, et cetera, not social security numbers. So maybe that's why it's $100,000. Um, maybe. But this I is mean, another blemish for the company. It is. Sure. It is. But here's, here's the thing, right? We know this, again, this happened in the past. You got a new CEO who's cleaning all of this up. So presumably this is kind of, all right, this is a past mess. It happened we fired the guy, they did the right thing, and now they move forward. So I think ultimately this is going to be a good thing for Uber. Yeah, you know, but it, it, how do you trade other stocks around it? I mean, David, great job with Equifax, by the way. It was $94. David said, you know, it's in the stock. 
You got to get back in. I think it closed at 110 today. But all this just to me illustrates the need for these cybersecurity names. And it's shocking to me that names like Symantec and FireEye haven't done better than they than they have. Now you look at Palo Alto Networks. The last couple of weeks, it's been doing pretty well. But I think you want to turn your attention to names like this because stories like this. This is not the last story we're going to hear. They're going to be more, and they're only going to get worse, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the question is, what's the moat around the business? You look at Equifax, they had a moat. They had all those customers, and they were going to shift gears. Do you have an, ob an op option to cancel your Uber subscription and go to Lyft or go to a different rideshare Well, it's the company. information of the drivers. Right. And the drivers already, already. work for all the other ride-sharing right. services. So I look so. at the third party. I get it. I, I don't think it's going to be a big blemish for, for uh, Uber. I think they'll work out of this. All right. Still ahead, Tesla sitting in bear market territory, down 18% from its high. But could the stock be about to make a major comeback? The traders will weigh in. Plus, Bitcoin hitting yet another record high. Its market cap now bigger than, get this, McDonald's. But how much do you really know about the cryptocurrency? Guy Dami takes to the streets at Times Square for the ultimate test. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a bit of a market mystery for you. This one stock is on fire. Let's see if you can guess it. Jeopardy style. This stock is up a whopping 250% just this year. It trades at a forward price to earnings ratio, 185, a big premium to its peers. And it's got a celebrity CEO, a leader somewhat beloved and definitely closely followed by Wall Street and the financial media. So do you guys know what this stock is? No. Guy Adami. General Electric. <laughs> up, up 235. Any other guesses? What is Tesla? Square. Oh, how? Who knows? How did we Square. How did you get that yep, one yep, by yep, us? yep. Yeah. Um, mm. It is uh, the stock that Wall Street just can't get enough of. So, is the payment company on the way to be the next cult stock in the same vein as Amazon or Tesla? Uh, I'm not going to go to you because you own Square. Sure. I'll why go would to you? you. Yeah, well, I should have listened to Grasso earlier in the year because he's been on this uh, the whole time. So I actually think Square, even though it's had this run, has had it has a tremendous runway ahead of it. Uh, their decision to integrate Bitcoin into their product, I think, has a huge, huge upside to it. I actually think it also might help out Twitter as well. Yeah, I mean, if they can actually charge less than Coinbase, right? Right, so, it's going to do what the online trading platforms have done, which is make it a race to the right. bottom in terms of commission. Exactly, and well, and you already have this built-in uh, built-in uh, uh, user base, right? And so now, you know, there was Citibank came out, I believe it was, said they could generate thirty million dollars a year in revenue. I think that's low. I talked to one of the best analysts on the street, Spencer Bogart. He thinks it's much higher than that. If you just look at what Coinbase is doing, if they can take a fraction of that, they're going to kill it in this space. I think definitively the last 10 percent last 12 percent was from the bitcoin exposure and yes that's it's it's a tailwind no doubt but square services people looked at this early and thought it was just a simple payment processor square services online food delivery square cash uh gift cards there's so many tentacles to this story i was lucky enough to not be dumb and not and buy it and not listen to a lot of people who said it's just the same thing it's a hardware company it's not hardware. It's but a now, services company. And let's think about scale now, right? And let's throw into the mix Facebook. Facebook gets in the mix, and they go out and they acquire a payments business. Or they just replicate this model because it doesn't seem like there's any real moat around it. So Facebook, their user base, 
the whatever billions of users they currently have, you look at it and say, how easy it for, is it to replicate? And, and can they come in and just take I don't know if over? it's not, I don't think it's that easy for them to replicate. I mean, they have to go out and buy a payments processor. And so maybe they go out and buy a PayPal or something like buy that. A PayPal. That would be it. And so I mean, Square is, well, Square is competing. Would you buy Square here? Ben. I would buy Square here. Would you here. buy Square here? Um, I think Square's a trade here. I don't know if I'd go in head first and buy it. A trade here. It's and up 250%. And you're, you're reading you're you're the momentum it. Carry I'm, it. I'm still in it, which is, in effect, buying the stock here. Yes. Yes. You know, a big question here in terms of the Bitcoin and, and Square's offering selling Bitcoin is how popular is Bitcoin? I mean, for the average person on the street, you know, it's, they've already accepted Venmo and other sort of payment services. Do they know about Bitcoin enough? That's you know, the question. You know, where do we do this show every night for the last almost 11 where? years? Yeah, I just said right where. Right, is it right here in Times Square. Square. Right here at the Times Square. Square. It's, a melt, it's, a, it's a melting pot of people, of, of humanity sure out there. Mm. So what better place to go out and ask the question you pose? Really? I mean, Bitcoin, stock market, the whole thing. So I went out there. I mean, just take a look at this, Melms. <laughs> I have a question for you, Grace. Did you know that U.S. stocks are at all-time highs? No. I love it. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've heard that. Yeah, well, you just started it right now. You know about this Bitcoin? Yes, I'm aware of it. No. I certainly do, yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah, I heard about the Bitcoin, and I think it worth a lot of money right now. It's, it's really a like, good investment for somebody. I don't know about the volatility of the Bitcoin. Five years from now, would you rather be long stocks or long Bitcoin? Stocks. Long of U.S. stocks. Bitcoin. I'm going for stocks. I think you should go for stocks. Equities. Equities. Uh, that's a good answer. I don't give a poop about Bitcoin. Stocks are always around. They've always been around. I'm going to stick with it. You can say you're a millionaire in Bitcoin, but it doesn't mean anything. You hear that, BK? It means nothing. Nothing. It's surprising. That's, that's harsh. Tough crowd, huh? That's harsh. I don't know. I mean, million dollars is still a lot of money to me, and it still buys dinner. <laughs> Did you run into anybody that owns Bitcoin? There were no Bitcoin owners out there. But that's the bullish case. But you want to hear something crazy? There, there, was a, there was a Bitcoin miner floating around. No, no. Uh, I'm not even kidding around. He obviously didn't make air, but he said he wanted to meet the BK in person. This cat mines, and he's just like you would expect wow. him to look. Like BK. Yeah. Handsome, suave. <laughs> All those things. Yeah, exactly. So does that make you, Grasso, concerned about the success of selling Bitcoin via the Cash App on Square? Uh, no, it doesn't make me concerned about it. And I love the fact that at least I have a real company, a, another fundamental reason behind it. This is just the kicker or the icing on it. Overstocked is another way. That stock is up oh, over 200%. Right. And you're not investing for the retail side of that business, no, are you? No, you're not investing in that one. So that one I, I'd worry about, your e-commerce side, and that one popped just alone on Bitcoin. Square, it's only the last 10% or so that's popped, uh, popped on Bitcoin. You have a host of other reasons to be long today, to buy the stock tomorrow, Square. All right, still ahead. Tesla catching a bit today after Morgan Stanley said the stock could make a run toward $400. So is now the perfect time to buy? We will explain when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money and take a look at that. That is square moving higher in the after hour session, popping about two and a quarter percent. Um, remember, we just asked the question whether or not this would be the next cult stock. So we do have some believers out there, apparently, in Square. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> it could be. Again, this is after hours action here. Now to our call of the day, shares of Tesla jumping nearly 3% after a new Morgan Stanley note. Our Fast Money friend Adam Jonas said 
The stock could surge to $400 next year as the company begins to tackle its recent production woes. The stock has soared nearly 49% since January, but still down more than 18% from its highs, now sitting in bear market territory. So do you bet on a bounce in a Tesla, or is this stock a no-touch? We should add that he then writes in the headline of the note, first 400 and then 200. So this is an interesting note. First 400, <laughs> then 200. Yeah. After they split two for one, or the stock's going to get no, cut no. in half? It's, we, yeah, get, well, it's yeah, important yeah. to ask yeah. that question. You know, I, fair well, question. Well, look, BK nailed this one. When we were bullish in the stock, and we said it had to prove itself at 385. It got there, failed. BK said double top. Stock went straight down. We also said there's a very good chance it trades down to 280, 285. Well, it printed 292, and now it's bounced. How do you trade the stock? Steve will say, I think, correctly, that you wait for a breakout above 325. And I think that's exactly what you do. I'd rather buy it on a close above 325 than to sort of 50-50 here at 317. I know that might be, not be intuitive to a lot of people. But, again, I'd rather buy the breakout than try to buy it here and pray. You know, you had asked me on the desk at the 306 level, would I rather buy this or would I rather buy GM? And my choice was Tesla. Mm -hmm. Because you, don't, you can't box it. It's not an automaker. It's a technology company. So with technology, you, you have to pay a higher multiple. The story's not over. It's got over 20% short interest. It still goes higher from here. 322 is the level I think that you need to close above before this is just a trading uh, range exercise. Um, in terms of the cash burn, uh, that is going to be interesting. Nomura, which is the biggest bull on the street because it's got a $500 price target on Tesla, the highest price target on the street, said yesterday that they expect the cash position will remain fragile. I mean, right. all sorts of cautionary nobody cares. language. Nobody cares. I mean, this is he's Jeff Bezos. Somebody taking... cares because it's bear market territory. Oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, the stocks the stocks have absolutely ripped. I mean, it's bear market territory off a massive high. The the market does not care about the cash burn here. They continue to, to be able to raise capital. They, and Elon Musk is brilliant at shifting things around. All of a sudden, they got to raise capital. Guess what? We're doing flying cars, and everybody buys into it. I love Tesla as much as anybody else, but it, it's it's a it's a story just like Amazon was. They're getting a pass from the market, so you can't look at those metrics. You have to look at this on the big picture, and it's almost like buying into a venture capital type of thing, where you know they're going to have to raise money, but you're buying into the big picture. I, I think people know they have to raise money, but I, th I look at the launch just now with the sports car and the, and, the, and the truck. Would the stock have been up more a year and a half ago, a year ago, into a face of that kind of launch, a, du a dual sort of launch, a surprise launch of the sports car, and you got the truck as well. And then the, rare, the roaring reports afterwards about the opportunity for that particular vehicle. The fact that it's I look up at, at it, all, though, Well, David. here's the thing. It's, the story is great. And you're right. Elon Musk is a celebrity, celebrity CEO. He's got the momentum going here. At some point, the music's going to stop. Competition's going to come in, and they need to they put have, up. Though. They need to put up they in have. an aggressive Remember way. Remember when he came into the marketplace, so your I, choice was a Toyota Prius. I, I get it. So I look at the $400, $200 sort of move. I agree with that. I think it's a very interesting What's the bear sort of set Production. Competition. The production. He misses all the targets. He misses the targets, and he got a capital raise in the meantime. Right. So when David, when David said you would have thought the stock would have been up more with their sports car and, it, and with their truck, the truth is I'm shocked and impressed that it's up at all. If they have production problems without two other entities taking up their, their cerebral content or their bandwidth, I, th I think it's impressive, and it speaks to the point that people have to own this. It, there is competition. Competition is only growing, yet the stock continues to perform. Well, it looks like some traders are betting the rally in Tesla will continue. So let's get to Mike Co out in Austin, Texas, to break down the options action. Hi, Mike. 
Hi there. Yeah, so Tesla was one of the top 10 most active single stock options, which is particularly notable given its high share price. So notionally, it was actually much more. What we saw was a lot of buying of the weekly 320 calls, over 13,500 of those traded for $1.35. And of course, those are making bets that the bump that we saw today could continue and the stock could close above 321.35 by Friday. Now, Personal note, I'm actually short Tesla using options. And speaking to Guy's level, I own the 325 calls as a stop, and I'm long the 285 puts, figuring that that might be where it breaks out. I love the products, but at some point, $62 billion enterprise value of competition does enter the picture. It's going to be tough to keep it up here, I think. Wow. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Mike Coe in Austin, Texas. Well, the options action team, we should know, will be off this Friday for what? the holiday weekend. Oh. I know you're sad. But we will be back the following Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for more options action. Up next, final trade. Stay tuned. trade. Steve Grasso. This one has been another big winner, but it's been a roller coaster. Car, Avis, budget, CAR is the ticker symbol. I think you're good to get back in. November pricing looks a lot better. Bullish. Seaberg. Uh, CRM reported earnings tonight. It's down a little bit in the after hours. This is a must-own name. I'd be buying CRM on any weakness. BK. Uh, well, we started the show pretty bullish, all of us, so I'm going to give you a hedge here to your portfolio. Buy TBT. Higher rates would be bad for stocks. You know what Square's doing in the after-hour session? I bet you it's higher, Melms. It's up 2.8% now, Guy. Hmm. You know, it's a fun show today. Mm -hmm. I'm so, but no options action on Friday? No. Ooh, what are the folks, what are those seven people? No, I'm kidding. I mean, that's, a, that's a bad joke. <laughs> that's you know, I said it because Dan Nathan me. was out in Times Square. He was waving to us before. Final trade? Fire eye. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here again tomorrow at 5. More fast. Mad Money starts now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.